and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Terry. And I'm Bridget. According to the World Health Organization, 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression. Yet at any given time, we can feel entirely alone in our battle. By sharing our stories, we can learn what works for other people, compare our experiences, and share the lessons and resources we've uncovered. Because while we've all heard the statistics, numbers don't tell the story. People do. This is the second segment of our three-part series on stigma. We've already established that it does exist. Today, we're going to cover why that's important, why it matters, what the impact is. That's always the question that has to be answered, like, why should I care? You know, just the fact that there's a stigma may or may not particularly concern you. But when you realize that it has dangers and consequences, then, you know, the hope is that it will concern you more. Uh, We will be linking to an article, The Eight Reasons the Stigma About Depression Needs to End, which was from Bustle.com by a woman named Caitlin Flynn. And one of the things she said is it's estimated that 80% of people with clinical depression are not being treated for their symptoms and going without treatment can increase the likelihood of all kinds of problems, including suicide. Secrecy delays healing, no question about it. And stigma breeds isolation, which further magnifies the whole problem. It does indeed. Well, I'm going to read one more quote from that article before we go to the sharing. So it's important to fight against stigmatization, even if you think it has nothing to do with your life. And if you need more convincing, she says, check out these eight reasons why. And I will add, check out what the people we spoke with shared. Let's hear what they have to say, Terry. Everyone has different information and not all of it's correct. Uh, There's so many problems with having the stigma. Obviously, the rate of suicide in teens, the the, the broken hearts of of people who don't understand what's happening to their their parents, to their siblings, to their kids. Even... I think can dare to say of like some of these like instances of mass shootings or really severe violent crimes too, where people, if they had access to and did not feel like going to go see a therapist meant that they had to make some sort of admission of weakness, that things would be a lot different. It perpetuates depression in that like if you can't talk about it, you can't get out of it and you can't see that there are shared experiences I would say my whole life I've never really told people that I had depression. The way that people think, well, I'm not crazy. Like, I'm not suicidal or something like that. Why would I have to go and see a therapist? Unfortunately, it took me getting to a place of desperation before I was able to move past that stigma. I don't want people to think that they can't reveal uh, what's really going on with them until, you know, they want to kill themselves. Mm. When depression is treated as a weakness or a personal fault or problem, it certainly delays people feeling comfortable to reach out and ask for help. It's already, you know, it's already hell in their minds, and now they have to reach into a world that doesn't feel safe to ask for help. I'm going to go back to that article one more time before we hear some more from the people we've interviewed. And point number five in her list of eight reasons stigma needs to end is that stigmas can deter sufferers from seeking professional help. And she writes, studies have shown that fear of judgment deters people from seeking professional help for their depression. Since over 80% of people who do get treatment for depression report that it helps, 
Having the courage to seek treatment is a key element of recovery, and it can be tough to summon that courage when you're hearing a lot of messages about how depression that's touching every part of your life isn't a real illness. Hmm. Isn't a real illness. Woo. Yeah. So we pose that question to more people. Uh, in what way does the stigma affect you personally? And here are some more of their answers. Despite my mom being a therapist, it took until me being in a, a pretty suicidal place before my family was like, oh, hey, maybe like you should go to therapy and maybe we should address this. So I think if in those that first month or so, I would have gotten the information and sort of kind of uh, the permission to go get the correct help. I have a feeling I wouldn't have sunk so deep into this. It's hard to ask for a recommendation for a therapist or a recommendation for a psychiatrist, but but why? When we need a dentist, we you know we ask our colleague or we ask our neighbor. When it comes to seeking help, um, I suddenly feel weak or that I can't handle my illness. Because you think other people see it that way. Exactly. Maybe my youngest does since she has not gotten help for it. I mean, for her, I think it's always been about shame and uh, appearing that she is not together. She wants to keep her appearances up that she's okay. I would like to be a part of um, a movement to make it not that way because I, I look at the statistics of a lot of, especially a lot of young people who uh, take their own life who didn't seek any sort of help. And I think that those types of terrible events could have been avoided if we just lived in a, a society where talking about a mental illness was on par in the same tone of talking about a physical illness. Giving oneself permission to ask for help, that's such a significant aspect to all of this. And then finding somebody who can help you is certainly another piece. That can be pretty tricky, but I just, you know, that idea of being able to discuss mental health the same way you discuss physical health, because we don't talk about leg health, we talk about physical health. But for some reason, if anything is wrong with the brain, it's in a completely different category. And unfortunately, as we've just heard, a very stigmatized category that prevents people from getting not only the help they need, but the support. Absolutely. It scares people. It scares people off. It, you it know, does. changes the way that people can perceive you. And it's a, it's a great challenge. It's just, it's just, it's a multifaceted great challenge. It is. And we're seeing it a lot with this podcast. We get a lot more comments sent to us privately than are posted anywhere, which is great uh, to get the feedback, but uh, it'd be nice if someday it could be posted publicly without shame or fear. Well, you know, having come out with my own story, I certainly was up against that personally as well. Um, to be completely honest, I wanted to use a fake name at first and then realized there was no integrity in that. And that was just my own stigma. And I had to walk through a process to get comfortable telling the world things that the very people who are the closest to me didn't even know. It took me a while to bridge. Yeah. So I yep. get it. I get it. The next part of this series and the last is talking about how our lives would be different if stigma was reduced or eliminated. And people really, you know, it was almost like a, a what? You know, you're, you're suggesting that could be a possibility. And uh, they had some really interesting things to say. So I look forward to sharing that. They did. And I also think there has to be a moment of recognition for it's beginning to change already. True. Finally. 
for listening to Giving Voice to Depression today. We hope that by hearing others' stories, you gain understanding, compassion, and some hope. And remember, be kind, because everybody's fighting a battle you know nothing about.